Good morning. This is Tommy Ray. We're in episode 13 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. The title of today's is Legal Sources, Fewer Sources, and Water Prices. No more math, I promise you. Last time, we had discussed the economics of buying water and moving it to an oil and gas location. That was going to lead into a discussion of the legalities of water, but we ran out of time. So this is a good place to pick up with what are legal sources of water and what is not legal. We will also touch on prices for raw water. Of course, water that has an original water right can always be used for the purpose listed in that water right. And a right that has been changed through water court can be used for purposes and at locations listed in the change of use proceedings. But there are other waters that can be used for any purpose. The main one is Colorado Big Thompson, CBT. CBT water is very important. Remember that CBT is water collected by the Northern Colorado Water Conservancy District on the western slope in Grand County at the headwaters of the Colorado River. It is brought to the east slope through the Alva B. Adams Tunnel. Under the district rules, CBT water can be used for any purpose, but it can only be used once. Unlike other imported water, CBT is one-time use only. If CBT is put through a city system and used by the city, any effluent attributed to the CBT water in the city system belongs to the river and can be diverted by downstream water diverters under the priority system. If you are in priority, you have the right to those CBT return flows. Although the return flows technically belong to Northern Colorado Water Conservancy District, there is no way to separate out this water from other waters. So, all return flows from CBT water belongs to the stream and can be used by downstream diverters. This is exactly the same as return flows from any other water rights. It's one-time use water, but if you have a use where all of that CBT water is consumed during its first use, that's okay. That hardly ever happens. Remember that the main counties within the northern district boundaries are Larimer, Weld, and Boulder. On average, northern brings over about 240,000 acre-feet annually. Although this water is, quote, foreign or imported water, when the district was set up with the approval of the U.S. Congress, it was agreed that return flow from CBT use would belong back to the district for use by downstream CBT unit holders. But as just stated, this is not possible. So return flows from CBT actually belong to the river. A couple of clarifications are in order. Officially, owners of CBT water are, quote, allottees. So you may hear that term, but CBT allottees, or shareholders, 
are like shareholders in any other ditch. If an allottee owns 1% of the total shares, that would be 3,100 units or shares, he would get 1% of the water brought over. The second clarification is that once through water is also referred to as first-use water, El Mismo. In a way, CBT water is treated like native East Slope water. It can only be used once. But there's a huge difference in native East Slope water rights and CBT water used within the district boundaries on the East Slope. If a purchaser buys CBT water, they can move that water anywhere else within the northern boundaries without going to water court. For instance, CBT could be pulled from the Poudre River drainage and suddenly start being used in the St. Vrain drainage. When someone sells his CBT units and those units are moved to another location, the downstream user, typically a farmer, can easily lose a lot of water without benefit of being notified or the ability to object. CBT water can be pulled and moved to a different stream system. Is that fair? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. A farmer below a CBT water user may have depended on those CBT return flows for 60 plus years. Does he have an equity interest in CBT return flows like he has on other once through water above him from native water rights? It doesn't seem right to me, but this is history and the way the system works. Because of its ability to be moved so easily, CBT is probably the most active water market in the Western U.S. CBT supplies are high quality, reliable, and desirable. Many northern front range municipalities and rural water districts rely on CBT water as a sole source of supply. Thus, CBT has become a benchmark for water prices, at least in northern Colorado. It seems like everyone uses CBT as the guidepost for how to price high seniority ditch water rights. The CBT market has directly influenced the water cost of development in northern Colorado. So what is the cost of water and how does it affect home builders and home buyers? CBT prices have risen dramatically, particularly over the last 10 years. In 2012, CBT water was selling in the range of ten dollars to $12,000 per acre foot. Today, CBT sells at roughly $90,000 per acre foot. And ditch prices have gone up accordingly. Remember that the unit of currency in water transactions is acre feet. The price of a share or unit of CBT is roughly $65,000 per unit or share, but a unit typically delivers only 0.7 acre feet. So converting to price per acre foot, you would divide 65,000 by 0.7 
and come up with about $90,000 an acre foot. Wow, that's a lot. When I first got involved in the water business, CBT shares were roughly $2,000 an acre foot. So how does this affect a home builder or someone wanting to buy a new house? A typical house needs 0.5 acre feet. The rule of thumb is that one acre foot can serve two houses. If the developer is building condos with minimal outside watering, the number of dwellings served per acre foot will go up. But let's stick with the old tried and true, two houses per acre foot. So the raw water costs for a new home will be 45000 That's a front-end capital cost. There will also be costs to install pipes to the subdivision and install individual meters to each house. That may add another $5,000 per home. So a tap fee will probably cost $50,000 or more. And that is reflected in the price water districts charge today per tap. Some are charging $65,000 per tap. And such front-end costs will add perhaps $300 a month to a typical 30-year mortgage. Some cities like Greeley had the foresight to aggregate huge amounts of water before prices climbed. They now only charge about $32,000 per tap. I hope to interview Greeley soon. You'll understand why when we start talking about places to store water. But water districts that have to buy water rice today to continue serving new customers have to pass their raw water costs directly to the consumer. You can call around to various water districts and cities. You will quickly learn that cost for water service in the West is roughly 10 times what it is in other parts of the country. It is amazing. It truly is a resource that is in short supply. The cost of homes has recently skyrocketed. Of course, there are other reasons, but the rising cost of water is a contributing factor. Some of these things really scare me. I wish I had a crystal ball to know why things are so out of whack right now. But I do know that supply and demand works. If the supply is down and the demand is up, it's going to cost more. And the supply of easily available water is just not there. So I predict prices of water will continue to increase dramatically. Maybe not CBT. At some point, chasing the last few units of CBT in farmers' hands will just not be worth it. These cities slash water districts have to start planning for other water sources. And what does that mean? Cities will have to look for alternative water sources to keep things affordable for new development. I believe CBT will become less relevant as the remaining inventory winds down. My contention is buy and dry will come back big time. And that's why I want to see state resources 
used to help farmers figure out how best to shift their dried land back to something productive. Mark my word, it is coming. We ain't going to build a pipe from the Mississippi or the Great Lakes. There may be water-sharing projects developed to stretch supplies, but that is akin to conservation. We cannot conserve our way out of the growing demand. Back to legal sources of water that can be used for purposes that are not part of a court-approved plan. A court-approved plan is an original water right or one that has been through a change of use proceeding in water court. Consumptive use water is such a source. By now, you know that consumptive use water can be moved off the farm without impacting other water right holders downstream, both senior and junior water rights holders. So generally, consumptive use water can be used for all purposes. And you remember that most attorneys will list all the uses they can think of in a transfer case of that consumptive use water. Of course, when cities put that consumptive use water through the city system by sending it to your house, they still own that part of the consumptive use water that returns to the river via the wastewater treatment plant. Remember, this is different than direct flow water rights they may own. The return flows from direct flow water rights are, quote, owned by the river. Unless the city has a way to pick up the water they own coming out of the wastewater plant, they will want to sell that water downstream because otherwise their water just goes on downstream and some other downstream diverter will pick it up for free. They can't always find a market for their portion of the consumptive use water coming out of the wastewater plant, but they try so as to not completely lose an asset. While we are talking about water going downstream, I want to tell you about a Texas company that bought a bunch of water upstream and put it in the river to later pick it up downstream. The company didn't need the water for several days. When they did need the water, they just started pumping that amount of water they had purchased upstream directly from the river. After all, they had put water in the river. The river commissioner quickly cut them off. Why? Because the block of water they put in the stream days or weeks before had already passed by where they thought they could take it out. When you buy water upstream and put a slug of water in the river, it is going to go downstream as a block of water. Kind of like putting a bunch of rubber duckies in the river and sending them on their merry way. If you don't pick the rubber duckies up at the right time, they just go on past the point at which they were supposed to have been taken out. In other words, you not only have to account for the amount of water you put in, but you have to calculate when it will be coming past your pickup point. And the state will help you determine the, quote, delay time. So, if the water is flowing at three miles an hour, and you put in water six miles above, you have to wait two hours before you start taking water out. 
And if you wait four hours, probably a lot of your water will have passed before your takeout points. You, of course, have to account for the rate you are putting your rubber duckies in. If you are putting them in at the rate of 100 per hour, and you put in 10 hours worth, a thousand ducks, you can start taking out 100 per hour, two hours after you started putting them in, and you can take them out at 100 per hour for 10 hours running continuously. You have to end at 10 hours or you are stealing someone else's water. The state looks down on that. And the state makes you account for some losses along the river. They calculate that 0.5% of your water will be lost for every mile it travels down the river. A little complicated, but it all makes perfect sense. So we won't hammer the state on this issue. A third legal source of water is non-tributary groundwater. In Colorado, non-tributary groundwater is owned by the overlying landowner. This makes it kind of like the riparian system used in the East. In the East, if the water runs through your property, you have the right to use it. Not so in the West. You must have a water right to use both surface water and tributary groundwater. We earlier discussed that tributary water is actually part of the surface water system, but not non-tributary groundwater. So who decides what is tributary and what is non-tributary? The state. All groundwater is considered to be tributary until it is proven to be non-tributary. Proving groundwater to be non-tributary is not trivial. It can cost $100,000 and can take three years or more in water court. The declaration is actually determined by a court case similar to a court case involving transfer of water rights. And there is another source of water when available. It is called free river water. Usually in the spring, the snow melts fast. There may be more water in the stream that is needed for all downstream water users. This is an infrequent occurrence and one that cannot be depended on. But it does happen. So if you can use it directly, you can tell the state that you will be taking free river water. That water is not claimed and can be used for any purpose. If you are lucky enough to have a nice off-stream pond or reservoir that you own, you can fill that pond with as much free river water as you can get. And then you would have that water to use for any purpose as long as you had it in your pond. Again, free river water does not happen every year. But when it does, it is a great source of water that does not require legal action. Of course, the Division of Water Resources wants you to tell them how much water you are taking and where because they will come by when free river conditions are off and make sure you are not stealing water. 
So, at least in northern Colorado, within the district boundaries, there are four legal sources of water. Free river water, CBT, non-tributary, and consumptive use water. In other parts of the state, CBT is not available, so there are only three. There is actually another class of water, water that is produced with mineral production. Oil and gas is considered minerals. So if an oil well produces oil and water, that water can be used for anything. But usually such mineral water is contaminated and is considered a water byproduct and usually disposed of in deep underground injection wells. That water is simply too dirty to economically clean for other uses, including ag uses. I hope these water discussions continue to interest you. It seems that more and more people are listening to this podcast. I want as many listeners as possible. Tell your friends if they want to know how water works. Also, if you ever want to buy me a cup of coffee, that is always welcome. Next time, we will talk about groundwater, its costs, who owns it, and why it has been shunned in the past, but maybe making a comeback. I'm going to keep going and hope you'll keep listening. It's all fascinating to me. I know some things, but still much to learn. That's what keeps life interesting. All the stuff out there to learn. Okay, enough philosophy. I'm going to retreat to my favorite mountain stream, lie in the grass, and maybe take a nap. See you next time.